Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. All right, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that you are here. And kids, I am so excited that you get to be with us this weekend. It is family weekend, which is one of our favorite weekends here at Grace. I also want to say hi to everyone who's watching online. We're so glad that you are with us. So like Robin said, this is the first week in our Happily Ever After with a question mark series. (laughs) And I was so excited when I was asked to preach this sermon on the good news about family because see, the more that I've gotten to know your kids, the more that I've noticed what an important role the family plays in how they are growing up. And I just really love and support families. And I think that God does so much work through the family. In fact, I'm actually uh, working on moving toward being the marriage and family pastor here at Grace, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah, because marriage ministry, it's really important. Now, marriage and family ministry, I know that not all of you are married here today, and I don't want you to think, oh, well, I'll just skip church the next three weeks. Here's why marriage ministry matters, okay? Because most people are either married have been married, want to be married, and this is the real important part, or will raise or are raising someone who will be married one day. See, it doesn't matter if you are currently married or not. If you're gonna raise somebody who may be married one day, you need to have the tools, right? To be able to teach them to have those tools. Hebrews 13.4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all not among just those that are married, but among all. So married or not, you should be helping support the marriages of the people around you. So I wanted to start off today with some, I had some staff send in some wedding pictures. All right, so, and then I, and then I gave them each power couple names, which is where you take their two first names and you like jam them together. It's like the two becoming one thing. Okay, so first up we have Aaron and Jordan. Now, they're so cute, right? They haven't even been married two years. Okay, so they're the babies of uh, our staff right now, at least until Haley gets married in a couple of weeks. Uh, And their power couple name is Jaren. So henceforth, they will be known as Jaren. All right, our next one is Julie and Jesse. Julie and Jesse have been married for 16 years. They're so cute. Uh, And Julie self-proclaimed their couple name to be Juicy, (laughs) which is probably my favorite one. All right, let's see if you can figure out who this couple is. Right, it's Carl, yes, that's Carl and Gina. Carl has a full head of hair. It's really amazing. Carl and Gina have been married for 29 years, which is awesome. Yeah, you can clap about that. And their power couple name is Garl. Okay, now let's see if you can tell who this is. Ken, Ken, it's Ken and Ella and his wife, Eloise. They have been married for 51 years, right? That's amazing. Now, 
I was having a hard time coming up with their power couple name, but Ken told me that when Eloise was little, that her dad used to call her Wheezy. And so Queasy is their <laughs> power couple name. All right, and all, and all fun. I don't know if you noticed in those pictures, but photography styles and quality have really changed in the last 50 years, yeah? Yeah, you know what else has changed in the last 50 years? Culture's view of family and the way that they portray it. So I put together some pictures of TV shows from the 50s and 60s and 70s. So we'll see how many of you recognize these shows. And with the exception of maybe the Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> what we've got up there is a mom and a dad and a kid, right? And there's always some problem in the episode. And then by the end of the episode, the problem is beautifully resolved, right? But you have this idea of a traditional family, a blended family with the Brady Bunch. But generally, family is important within the show. Okay, let's fast forward to the 80s and 90s, which these are the shows that I grew up watching. And we start to see in these shows diversity, right? And that's, I get that, right? We're all, all of our families are a little bit different. But we start to see this rise of dysfunction, too, outward in the media. And the thing that really bothers me about a lot of these shows is the attack on dads, right? So many of these dads are like, not real smart, right? No, but still in these shows, the idea of family is important. And by the end of the episode, typically the problems are resolved. Okay, now let's look at the 2000s and beyond. All right, if you can see in these pictures, I don't know if you've seen any of these shows, but in most of these shows, dysfunction is prevalent. There are very few traditional families and things within the episode are not typically resolved. Not by the end. Some, they usually take like the whole season to make it through the resolution of the problem. So you see the picture that the media and that culture is putting out about what family is has changed dramatically in the last 60 years. And like I said, I understand the diversity part of it, right? No two families are the same. We all have brokenness. Family does look different from one to the next. But what has culture done by inundating us with that as normal? Okay, hold on to that thought. I need you guys to answer a question for me. What is the divorce rate that you have heard about since you were, since forever? Somebody tell me? 50%, yeah, half of all marriages end in divorce. Well, with a stat like that, it's pretty easy to be discouraged, right? I mean, who would even want to get married if you had a half chance of making it? Now, I'll say this. Nobody is at the altar on their wedding day and thinks, this is probably going to fail, right? But if we've got this idea in the back of our minds that half of all marriages fail, and then we binge watch shows like those up there that are about dysfunctional and broken families, and I'll take it one more layer. We listen to music that romanticizes breakups and hookups, right? You can't tell me that that's not true. What are we doing by surrounding ourselves with that? The Holy Spirit's working on some of you, huh? Yep. When we surround ourselves with a message of brokenness, we start to internalize it. And then things get hard, 
because not everything is peachy keen always in marriage and family. And maybe we get on social media and we think, well, I don't look like that family. We don't seem to be getting along. Well, maybe we're not part of the 50% that make it. And we give up. Now, I understand that divorce and breakups and brokenness in the family, that it's not that simple. It's complicated, and there's lots and lots of layers there. Marriage and family, they're messy because humans are messy. And we're going to talk the next two weeks more about the messy part of family. I get to talk about the good part. While I'm thinking about it, I need you guys to know that next week, the sermon topic is like PG-13+. plus. So this weekend, all the kids are with us. Next weekend, you want to make sure you send them to Grace Kids, all right, and to their small groups. Make sure you check your Grace Kids in before worship so that we know that they're coming, okay? But the point is about all of the culture stuff and, and the divorce stat is that what we believe about marriage impacts the reality of our family. So I've been reading this book, The Good News About Marriage, in preparation for this sermon. And the author is a counselor, and so she works with couples. And what she found in working with couples was that most of the people who think that their marriage is going to fail end up having a failed marriage. Conversely, one of the predictors of a healthy marriage is hope. Even if only one partner has hope, the marriage has a better chance of surviving. So I have some more good news for you. That 50% divorce stat, it's a myth. In fact, in the good news about marriage, she says the actual divorce rate has never gotten close to 50%. It's closer, get this, to 20 to 25% for first-time marriages and 31% for all marriages. And it has been declining for years. That's good news, right? Yeah, there was a spike in the 70s and 80s and people said, oh, well, if this trend continues, we could see a 50% divorce rate. But it never happened. All right? So I've got um, a graphic to show you guys of these de declining divorce rates. This book was written in 2014, so I did a little bit of digging on more recent uh, stats. And you'll see that in 2000, the divorce rate per 1,000 people was four. All right? Look at 2020. It's only 2.3. That's almost half. You can see that it's been declining the whole time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that is such good news. That is a reason to have hope. You know what else they found in this study? That those who attend church regularly, and good job for being here today, those who attend church regularly, not those who profess a faith or read their Bible every day, just those who attend church regularly, have a significantly lower divorce rate than those who don't. Like 35 to 50%. Less. They're less likely to divorce than anyone else. So you guys give yourselves a little pat, right? A little clap because you're here. You're doing it. That's awesome. This is good news. There is so much hope. So we've talked about what culture says about family and marriage. Let's look at what God says. 
So the biblical description of family in Genesis is one man and one woman united together. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Another awesome Old Testament story about love is Song of Songs, which I don't know if you've read that before. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that are in it. Like the guy says this about his girl. He says that she has hair like a flock of goats and that she has teeth like a flock of newly shorn sheep. Now, guys, do not try that when you get home. It, it won't work. I don't know what it meant back then, but it won't work now. No, Song of Songs is a great celebration of romantic love. And a lot of scholars think that it's trying to show how much God loves his people. All right, let's flip to Ephesians chapter 5, which is a pretty common verse. It talks about wives and husbands. Uh, and I, we're going to look at it a little bit differently, if I can find it. There we go. Um, Instead of looking at it for roles, I'm just going to point out a few key verses in here, okay? Let's look at what Paul is saying. First, he says, as Christ is the head of the church, he's the savior of the body. And then a couple of verses later, he says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy. And then a little bit later, he says, just as Christ does for the church. And then at the end, he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. So rather than looking at roles right there, what Paul's trying to do is he's trying to use marriage to explain Christ's covenant with us. See, because this is what the Bible is trying to say. When we get it right, when we do marriage and family well, we're a picture of God's intimacy and his relationship with his church. That's such good news. Now, do you guys get it right all the time? No, I, I mess up a lot. I miss the mark all the time. So you know what? The Bible has tons of stories about people that miss the mark too. So let's take a look at a few of them. I'm going to go through them real fast. All right, Adam and Eve. They literally walked next to God in the garden. And they also successfully raised the first murderer, their son Cain. Yikes, right? All right, okay, how about Noah? Noah's family is chosen as the only righteous family on the entire face of the earth and is chosen to survive this year-long flood, right? So he gets off the ark. He's had this great experience. He goes and he plants a bunch of vineyards, makes wine, and then develops a drinking problem. Okay. How about David? David is described as a man after God's own heart. But he was unfaithful to his wife. All right. How about the New Testament? Those are like Old Testament, right? What about the New Testament? I mean, Mary and Joseph, they were chosen to raise God's son. Surely they like got it right, yeah? No, they lost their son on vacation for three days. 
but I haven't done that. (laughs) No, the Bible is so full of stories of God using brokenness over and over again. And this is good news because we don't get it right. Some of us have been through divorce. Some of us have been through brokenness or come from parents who were divorced. We don't get it right. But guess what? It's good news because it's an opportunity to showcase God's redemption story. See, our story, it's not about us. It's about a bigger story that God is writing. And whether we get it right or we don't, God will use it. So when I think about the health of families and marriages, I like to think about it along this continuum. And over here, we've got what I'm going to call like the surviving camp. And I think that probably all of us can say that we have been or are currently right here. One of the hallmarks of this surviving camp is that when we heard and then two shall become one, we immediately thought, which one of us we were going to become, right? And so we fight over control. We fight over who matters more. And we can't move forward if we're stuck right there. In fact, the first 10 years of my marriage, and I've been married not quite 14 years, okay, we're right here, right here, trying to survive, trying to figure it out, fighting over who mattered more. Some of you are still here right now, and I want you to leave today knowing that there's hope to move this direction. But see, something that happens when we hang out in survivor camp too long is that our hearts become hard. And so we're going to really pray against that here in a little bit. On the other side, way over here, we have thriving families, right? Where two actually become one and marriage looks like what God intended for it to be, a beautiful picture of his relationship with us. But to get from this survival camp over here to thriving, we've got to have the right tools and not all of us were given the best tools when we got married, right? I wasn't given the best tools, So I want to give you guys a few tools quickly today that you can use to start moving this direction. All right? And I want to say this first. There's only so much that we can do in our humanness, and we are expected to do that in our humanness. But the real transformation work happens because of Jesus and his goodness and his transforming power. Because even our best isn't enough. All right? But tool number one is pray. And we start at pray because our best isn't enough. Okay? Now, God gave me a verse in Ezekiel, which I actually keep marked all the time in my Bible because I pray it a lot. Um, But it says this. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Guys, so many of us are sitting here right now with hard hearts about family. And we need to pray and ask God to soften our hearts, to soften our spouse's hearts, to soften our kids' hearts so that we can move forward. Kids, you guys can pray this too. You can pray for your mom and your dad. I wish I had known that as a kid. I wish that I had used the power that I had as a child to pray for my parents. You can do that. All right, tool number two. This is repent. Now, I'm gonna be really blunt And I'm going to say this, 
Get over yourself. All right? Part of being over here in survival camp is that you think that it's about you, and I'm sorry, but it's not about you. In fact, Jesus tells us in John 15, 13, that we need to lay down our lives for each other. He says, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. The other really important part of this repenting thing is that we come to each other with this humble heart of repentance. Be willing to say you're sorry if you mess up. Say, I missed it. I just missed it. I didn't know. All right, kids, you guys can do that too. Just say you're sorry. Healing can happen after that. The other important part about this is that we've got to clean up our junk from the past. Whether it's junk and hurts that we're carrying from our parents or from friends that we had in school or from past relationships, we have got to lay that down, get rid of it, offer forgiveness where it needs to be given. And we need to move forward because forgiveness will tether you here in survival camp like nothing else will. All right, kids, I'm going to tell you something about this. And parents, I'm sorry if you don't like that I'm saying this. Kids, I am giving you permission to give your parents good feedback. Now, good feedback is not, I don't like that, I'm gonna throw a fit. I'm gonna storm off and slam my door. That's not good feedback. Let me show you what good feedback is, kids. Mom, it really hurts me when you talk to me that way. Dad, I feel really sad when you play your game instead of asking me how my day was. That is good feedback. And parents, I'm going to ask you right now to open your hearts to hear and receive that from your kids. In fact, I actually believe that most of their bad behavior is a cry to get us to notice them and to see where they're hurting. And when we parent the behavior instead of their heart, we miss it. Okay, and I am so guilty of that because I care so much about my kids making me look good. You too? No? Just me. Okay. All right, tool number three, grow. My husband and I decided when we realized that this survival camp thing was not working, that we were going to say yes to getting a little bit better every single day. And you know what? Grace cares so much about your families that we have got so many resources for you to use to grow. We've got this Thriving Families Conference, Thriving Homes Conference that's coming up next weekend. I'm gonna just say this real quick. If you're over here in survival camp, you need to be there. I don't care if you can't afford it. People have donated money for me to give to you so that you can come. It's amazing. The tools that we're gonna talk about next weekend will absolutely transform your marriage, transform your parenting. It will transform the way that the rest of your life looks. So you need to register by Wednesday, okay, to reserve your spot. And I've got little flyers out around the seats so that you can just scan that QR code. And we've got childcare and all of that. You do not want to miss that. Even if you feel like you're thriving pretty well, I promise you can grow, okay? None of us have arrived. Not even Ken and Eloise after 51 years, he'll tell you that. Okay, so Grace Kids and Grace Youth, we're partnering up to do a Let's Talk About It workshop later this month, and we're going to talk about family and technology. Anybody else need help with technology and their kids and what to do about that? You should come to that, all right? Another really important thing 
that Grace offers is small groups. Now, our small groups are launching September 17th and 18th, so in two weeks, okay? You want to be in a small group. Let me tell you why that matters so much, okay? Because when you're in a relationship, when you're in your family and you want to throw in the towel and give it up, your small group will push you back in the ring, all right? They're going to make you fight. They're going to stand up for you and support you and offer you hope. You need to be in a small group, all right? We offer counseling too, and I could give you tons of books and podcast recommendations if you like to learn on your own kids. You guys can grow too. You can read your Bible. You can do a devotional. You can be a part of the growth that happens in your family. Number four is connect. I don't want to spend a ton of time here. I could spend literally a sermon on each and every one of these, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. Uh, Love languages. How many of you guys have heard of them? Yeah, okay, most of you. So I'm not gonna spend very much time on this, but here's where I wanna twist this. Love languages are not just for husbands and wives, all right, and they're not just for parents towards their kids because something dramatically shifts when you teach your kids to speak your love language. My kids both did earlier today. They knew I was getting ready for this and they did a whole bunch of chores without being asked. Thank you very much, Deacon. Yeah, I see you, buddy. All right. And when you teach your kids to speak each other's love language, something shifts because suddenly they take responsibility for the connection that they have with you and with their sibling. This will change your family. So go to the website, fivelovelanguages.com, take the quiz, have your kids take the quiz, and then start speaking it, okay? All right, number five, define. So a few months ago, I was talking to Renelle, who's like the queen of intention here, and she was telling me the definition of integrity was living in alignment with your core values. Now, I had just done a core values assessment with my coach, and so I thought that was really, really great. So I went home and made my husband do his core values, and guess what? They were the opposite of mine. He was like all adventure over here, and I was like, order! And that didn't work. It's no wonder we fought over who was the most important for 10 years, right? So what we did was we took our values and then we had our kids do their values and we combined them and we decided what our family values were. What were we going to stand for as a family? What were we about? And it allows us now to say yes and to say no. If something is not in line with our core values, we don't do it unless God asks us to, but he hasn't done that yet. All right, the other great thing about knowing your core values is that you can decide and look at what gets in the way. And then you set boundaries to protect that. So I've done the hard work for you and I've created a resource for you to go home and do this core value thing because we can't do it right here, right now, okay? So you can scan the QR code that's gonna come up on the screen and that'll take you to a link to download a core values assessment that I created, okay? It's got parents' core values, kids' core values, what you decide your family core values are and what gets in the way and it's awesome. So download that and you can get it from me otherwise if you need to, okay? All right, number six is mobilize, okay? This is where it's really easy when you're really well connected as a family and you know what your family's about, you know your values. It's really easy to get stuck in this safe little place. of like, we know who we are, we know what we do, right? But God has been stirring something in me lately. And it's that we need to take who we are as a family 
And we need to use it for the good of others. So I'm going to say, serve. Serve on a dream team here, right? Help with mobile food relief. That is literally my favorite thing to take my kids to do, is go help with mobile food relief. Okay, it's so good. Now, kids, I'm going to talk to you guys for just a minute. Just to you. So have your listening ears on? You are powerful. Say, I'm powerful. Yeah. <laughs> that was my son. <laughs> guys, okay, parents, you guys know the saying of like, right? God made you, picked you to be the parent for little Johnny, right? But let's flip that. Kids, God put you in your family for a reason and a purpose. You were picked, Jaden, to be your mom and dad's son. God is so good. Isaac, Joab, you were picked to be your mom and dad's sons because he has a purpose for you in your family, for your parents. This is so important and such good news. You get to be part of the team. You get to help, not just with things around the house, but you get to be part of it. It's such a cool thing the way that God designed family. Guys, I believe that today, God has revival in store for the families right here who are here tonight and who are watching online. Families, you have a choice to make today. Are you gonna do what culture says everyone does? Are you gonna let your imperfection be the excuse? Or will you take a stand and fight for family? Fight for wholeness. Fight for redemption and for what God is doing through your story. Rise up, moms and dads, husbands and wives, kids. Tell the enemy, no more. Enough is enough. Put a stake in the ground and say, we're not going to do it this way anymore. Whatever past generations have done, it stops here and it stops right now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you dare to have hope? Okay, I'm gonna have some ministry time here. God has really put a couple of different groups on my heart, so I need you to be brave. And if you've been married for less than 10 years, I want you to stand up, All right? If you're a single parent, I want you to stand up. Okay, church, here's your opportunity. I want you guys to gather around these people and I want you to pray for them. Right now, stand up, move around, put your hands out and pray for them, okay? Yeah, so God, we just lift up these families right now to you. And God, we pray your strength and your courage and all that you are, your power within them to keep moving forward towards thriving. I pray for the couples that have been married last less than 10 years, God, that you would bind them together early, that they would work out the kinks quickly so that they can move forward to bring glory to your name, God. I pray that you would partner with the single parents, that you would show them that they are enough and that you are working their story for good as part of your bigger story, God. I thank you for all of them, and I pray your blessing over them. In Jesus' name. 
thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.